as we've been looking for a worship director after uh, Jeff and Tabby went down to start a church in Oklahoma City. Uh, Laura is a uh, daughter of uh, Jerry and Judy Straley, and she became a Christ follower here at Springbrook, and John was a worship director in the Detroit area, and we're so glad that God put a call on his life to come and join us so you certainly can be praying for them. Well, let's uh, stand up for a moment and greet one another, and the kids are dismissed uh, to their classes. This past weekend I had a, past week that is, I had a very interesting experience. As part of our HeartStrong initiative, uh, we are seeking to reach out to people uh, in need, and we are trying to get involved more in the jail ministry up at McHenry uh, County Jail in Woodstock. And so if you're interested in that at all, I would encourage you to write jail ministry on the back of your communication slip, and we'll let you know more about that. But as part of this emphasis, uh, we as pastors are going up uh, on a regular basis uh, just to do Bible studies there a couple times a year. And I was there this past week, and Justin had gone up there, and he had a couple guys, and Richard had gone up there, and he had a couple guys, and I got up there, and, and I went into this room, and they brought ten guys in. And so I said, oh, i, I got to change my uh, approach here. I didn't expect ten guys to come in. And as we were dialoguing and I was getting to know them, I noticed they were very courteous to one another. There was, there was kind of a unity among them. I thought that was kind of strange. And, uh, and, and I found out that they were all uh, waiting to be deported or fighting deportation. So there was kind of a, a team unity, one might say and what they were trying to accomplish, not to be uh, deported. In fact, the Kenry County Jail, their population at this time is about 400, and 140 of those are in that deportation area. Uh, again, a separate part of the jail. Uh, so I thought that was very interesting. And so I was dialoguing about these guys, and we were studying through Philippians 4, as we've been studying recently, talking about not being anxious giving our concerns over to God. And obviously they have some real problems being deported. One of the guys was uh, an immigrant at the age of 11, and so his family is here, and uh, he's at risk of being deported and taken away uh, from his family. And some of the guys were talking about their kids, and they just feel so out of control not being able to help. Uh, their children. So I really challenge them in the area of prayer. That, that is the number one thing we can do for our kids, whether we're inside a prison or outside a prison, is to pray for them. And we often forget that. But I said, just pray for each of your children five minutes a day, or whatever God leads you to do, and then tell them that. 
that is the most effective thing you can do uh, for them. And that would be a great encouragement uh, to each of us as well. So as I was leaving, I was, I was thinking about just what a jail is like. I hadn't been down there, uh, or up there, that is, uh, for a while. Uh, just the doors closing. And I, w- I was thinking in preparation for the message about Paul, as you remember, as we've studied through uh, the book of Philippians, this Uncommon Joy series. Uh, this is our 10th out of 11 different messages on the book of Philippians. In fact, I encourage you to be here next week when we're going to wrap it all up and talk about our experience. And uh, It's been a great book uh, to study, as any part of God's Word is. But uh, I was thinking about the fact that Paul wrote this from jail. Remember, he was under house arrest in Rome, and he was chained to a Roman guard. In fact, I was sharing that with the prisoners about the times that Paul was in prison. And one of the guys asked, as I mentioned the fact that, you know, when you were in prison, people had to bring you things for you to survive. It's not like the, the prison typically offered food and clothes and things like that. Uh, friends had to bring that stuff to you. So he found that uh, very interesting. And uh, really, I was thinking, Paul was in prison because of his faith. What if I was in prison someday for my faith? Thirty years from now, and I'm preaching the gospel, and, and, and they put me in prison for my faith. Well, what, would, what would that be like? And what Paul says in this passage that we're going to study today is that he was content in that situation. And as I was up at that jail, I don't know if I'd be content sitting in that jail. So that's what we're going to study and look at today, is how we can be content in any situation. Let's take a moment to pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. It is so powerful. It is so encouraging. It is a source of truth. And I pray you'd open our hearts. I pray that your spirit would speak to us in this hour and that we would be renewed in our passion and our love for you. Christ's name. Amen. Now let me again give you uh, the big picture here. Remember that Paul had started the church at Philippi. He had met Lydia there by the river and some others, and uh, they started the church. Remember the Philippian jailer and how uh, God freed them uh, from prison. Well, that was about 10 years before he wrote this, 10 years after that is, uh, no, excuse me, 10 years before he wrote this letter. So 10 years had passed since he had first started the church at Philippi. And what the people at Philippi had done is they had sent Epaphroditus down to Paul to bring him a care package. I assume there was financial resources there, maybe some clothes, maybe some food, whatever they think that Paul would have needed in that situation. But they also sent Epaphroditus himself in order to serve Paul. But as you remember, Epaphroditus got sick, and then the people at Philippi got concerned about him, and Epaphroditus got concerned about them. And so in the end, Paul is sending Epaphroditus back, as well as he's sending Timothy to encourage the church at Philippi, and he's sending them this letter. And when it comes right down to it, the letter to the people of Philippi is a thank you letter. Now, that really 
is what it is. It's a thank you letter, but of course it includes a lot more than your typical thank you letter. But as we get near the end of the book here, we're getting to the heart of the thank you. So that's the context of the verses we're going to study this week and next week. Philippians 4.10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So, yeah, <laughs> I rejoiced in the Lord. We hear it again 17 different times in this letter. Paul is rejoicing. Remember in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, where Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. And the point there is that even if you have nothing in your life that you feel you can rejoice in the Lord about, you can rejoice in God himself, in who he is, the relationship that you have with him. That is reason enough to rejoice. But now he's rejoicing over something very specific. He's showing gratitude for the fact that the people at Philippi have sent Epaphroditus and that he has uh, they have sent a, a care package. Now, I, I want to encourage you all, uh, as you move into the summer here, to continue to cultivate, to deepen your time with God on a daily basis. I call it the daily office. You can call it what you'd like. But the idea of getting away with Jesus, spending one-on-one -on -one time with him. And we've been offering uh, Jesus Calling. Uh, it's there at the cafe. You can pick it up for $10, or you can get it on an e-book. Uh, we also have uh, the Purpose Driven Life. There's all, all kinds of wonderful devotions uh, that take Scripture and help you understand it better. But the point is, is use this summer as an opportunity to become more consistent in your time with God. And I bring this up uh, because I would really encourage you to build gratitude into your time with God. Gratitude. We look back at the Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that we studied a couple weeks ago. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is our memory verses for this month, so I encourage you to continue to meditate and try to memorize uh, these verses. Again, the point is, is don't worry about anything, because worry does nothing to help you, and it's not very healthy. Uh, but you need to pray. You need to give things over to God, and he doesn't say that he's going to solve your problems immediately. What he does say is he's going to give you supernatural peace in the midst of your problems. That's what he promises. That's a great thing. But notice what it says here. Uh, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. As you study the New Testament, it's filled with commands to be thankful. And, and as we talk about this topic of contentment today, that is one of the most important things you can do to cultivate contentment in your life is to be thankful. Because when you're being thankful for what God is doing in your life, it's impossible to be discontent at that moment. Because you're thanking God for something good 
has happened to you. So you're content with what God is doing. I would encourage you this summer, as part of your time alone with God, is to keep a gratitude journal, a gratitude list. How many, in some way or another, keep a list, a journal of the good things God is doing in your life? Raise your hand really high. Let's see how many of you are actually writing down the good things that God is doing in your life. All right. Okay, I maybe saw seven hands. Guys, this is something that is a very easy thing to do, and I have a file on my computer on my desktop, and when something good happens that I'm thankful for, I write it down because I know what I'm like. Sometimes with God, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> and that's not the attitude to have, right? Uh, the attitude to have is, look at all the things you've done for me. In the past, it doesn't matter what, you don't have to do anything for me. But man, God, look what you've done. So when things happen, I go to that file. Very simple. I just put the date down and I put, this is what God did for me. Maybe six or seven words. Very easy to do. But I can go back over the last year and I can look at the different things. And it's a faith building file. It's like, wow. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. God's been really good. God's taking care of me. It's a mood changer. You know, you get down, you get discouraged, you go back, and you look at what God has done in your life. So as you deepen your time with God, try that. Uh, again, uh, three things a day. Do that this summer. Three things a day you're grateful, and they have to be new things. Okay? And don't worry. There's a lot of things you can find out there to be grateful for. All the simple pleasures, all the wonderful ways that God uh, provides uh, for us. And uh, God is going to use that to cultivate contentment uh, in uh, your life. So, uh, he goes on, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. So it's been a while, but you've revived your concern for me. That word in the original language means to blossom again. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So he's not saying... You weren't concerned, and then you remembered me, but you've always been concerned, but you just haven't had the opportunity. They probably didn't have the resources to help Paul. They were very poor. Or, uh, they didn't know where Paul was, or they didn't know how to get to Paul. But for whatever reason, they said, okay, we're going to send this gift to Paul. Then it continues on in verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, so he doesn't want to get the wrong impression, like, where have you guys been? Why haven't you sent me again? You know, I've been in need all these years, and finally you show up. It's not that at all. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation to be content. Now, if you were reading this in that day, in that culture, that word uh, content would just kind of jump off the page at you, content. Paul uses that word. You see, that was a very secular word that was used by the Stoics of that day who believed in a very austere and, and simple life. And when they used that word content, what it meant was self-sufficiency. The Stoics believed no matter what life threw at you, no matter what your life circumstances were, you were to be self-sufficient in the midst of those circumstances and not be dependent upon anyone else. But you were to handle that. You were 
to be able to emotionally process through that. That was their idea of contentment. It was a self-sufficiency, a stoicism about this is what life is and I am going to live through it on my own. Where, of course, Paul had the opposite idea. It wasn't about independence. It was about dependence on Jesus Christ. This is what Paul had learned. Now, you look at Paul's life, and certainly he had many good times in his life. And I'm talking about after he became a Christ follower. When he says he has learned contentment, I believe he learned contentment in Christ. So this is after he became a Christ follower. But you think about the wonderful experiences he had when he met with Christ and uh, when he had these special revelations from God and then you think about the times that he had in starting these churches and these journeys that he went on there. There must have been many wonderful memories uh, that he had from people that he met with. And, of course, he's always mentioning friends throughout his epistles, talking about, say hello to that person. I mean, he was very much about relationships and loving people. So there are many good things in Paul's life. But at the same time, he had a lot of challenges. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he delineates these challenges. And the only time Paul talks about how difficult his life was is when false teachers were telling a particular group of people that Paul, you know, he's just in it for himself, and Paul, his life is good, and he hasn't suffered much. And so Paul feels the need to say, wait a second. Let me remind you about who I am and where I have come from. So we look at verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? He's talking about the false teachers. I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. Again, not normal for Paul, but he feels he needs to make his point. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Doesn't that sound like a great life? <laughs> yes, that's right. American dream. Uh, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Now that was a scourging that Christ received. But he, he went through it five times. I don't know what it was about thirty nine and forty lashes. I think you'd be dead by then anyway, but <laughs> they always just went to thirty nine because they thought the forty one would kill you off. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. God throws that in there. Oh, yeah, I was stoned. Uh, you typically die after you're stoned, but God supernaturally protected him. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul uh, with a shipwreck? I don't know if he was uh, grabbed onto something, but he was just adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers. Again, traveling in that day was not like going down Interstate 90. <laughs> people were out to get you. Very dangerous. A danger from my own people. So the Jews were after him. Danger from Gentiles. Gentiles were after him. Danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness. Danger at sea. Danger from false brothers. Danger, 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 right? It sounds like the kind of life that we all... You know, dream about. <laughs> in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, 
in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. So next time you get any idealistic thoughts about what the apostles' uh, life was about, uh, you can just reread a passage like this. It was a very, very difficult life, a very painful life, a life full of suffering. So when this man says, I rejoice in the Lord, when this man says, I am content in the Lord, it's like, wow. If he could go through all that and learn to rejoice in everything and be content in everything, there's hope for me. At the same time, we don't want to put Paul on a pedestal and say, like, well, he was a super saint. I can't relate to him. No, he was just a normal sinner like the rest of us. That God can do the same type of things in our lives. But again, I want to go back to uh, Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 11. It says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And, and as I was studying this, this really uh, kind of popped off the page. He said, I've learned to be content. It's not like when, when Paul first became a Christ follower, he was 100% content in life. What? How did Paul grow in contentment? Well, we just read the list, okay? Every experience he went through, every hardship that he went through, he learned. And he was walking closely with God, and so as he was shipwrecked and he was stoned and all those different types of things, God was still there for him. He felt that supernatural peace. As you look at chapter 4 here and you look at uh, giving all your concerns over to God and you look at what you should think about, these are things you should dwell upon, and the fact that Christ, they all kind of are weaving Woven together, this is Paul later in life after all these experiences and, and what he's learned about walking with God in the sense that, yes, I've had a life full of suffering, but what this life has taught me is that I can be content in any situation. Isn't that interesting? And so as we look at the challenges that we go through in life, the question, of course, we always need to be asking ourselves, God, what are you trying to teach me? And I tell you what, in every difficulty in your life, there's one thing at least God's trying to teach you, and that is to be content in Him. Whether you don't have a job, whether you just lost your, your husband, your wife, a child, it's the worst things that we can think can happen in life, is that in that moment, in the midst of our distress and our, our pain and our disappointment, that we turn to Jesus and find our sufficiency only in Him and nothing else. The world tells us we need all this stuff, we need all these experiences, we need more in order to find true peace. But friends, it's only in Jesus. And that's a hard lesson to learn. And the only way he can teach us is by bringing us through pain. 
That is the only way I believe that you can truly learn dependence on God is in pain. Because if life, life is a cakewalk for you, you're never going to be prompted to go deep and depend on Jesus alone. This is summed up in 1 Timothy 6, 6-8. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness, it's all about Jesus, right? It's all about walking with Him. It's all about realizing that this life is all about Him. And, and that's all you need, okay? Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world. I know you ladies are thankful for that, that your babies didn't bring stuff with them. <laughs> it's painful enough, right? And we cannot take anything out of the world. I mean, no U-Hauls, behind hearses. You can throw as much as you want in the casket. It's not going anywhere, right? Our souls just go. Uh, and uh, But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Food and clothing. Really, Paul? Food and clothing. I mean, how many had breakfast this morning? They had breakfast on this, okay. And they, maybe you skip breakfast, but... My hope is that all of you have food in your cupboards. If you don't, please let me know. We'd love to help you out in that way. But I tell you, there, there are some people in our area that didn't have breakfast this morning because they didn't have the food. It's close to us, friends. That's why we have the food truck. That's why we reach out to people. And, of course, across the world, there are many people who didn't eat this morning. So, I mean, food is something, you know, we, we shouldn't take for granted. And I'm so glad you're all dressed this morning. I am. You're glad I'm dressed. <laughs> right? And, and, and back in that day, uh, if you were poor, maybe you only had uh, one or two outfits, and most of us have a lot of clothes. We have clo clothes for different sizes of our body. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I got my big clothes, my medium clothes, my dream clothes, you know, that kind of yeah. So we got it, man. We got it. We got food. We got clothes. We don't need anything else. Amen? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. You're honest. <laughs> you say, well, yeah, I do need a lot of other things. I need a new job. <laughs> All right? I need a job. I need wisdom to deal with my... I just need somebody to do something with my child. They're driving me up the wall. I need a, a makeover on my husband or my wife. I need a wife or a husband. Then I got all kinds of needs. Don't you know that food and clothing? Paul, you are nuts. My life is full of needs. You see, this is the problem, friends, is that our culture is telling us what we need instead of this book telling us what we need. And we live in a culture that's all about more. It's a culture that feeds discontentment on a daily basis. Ladies, you're just having a nice day. Things are going well. And one of your good friends gives you a call and tells you that uh, they're going to go on a vacation this summer. 
they just learned about, somewhere you'd really like to go. So you listen to them, and after the phone, you feel terrible. And you felt great just before the phone call, but now you like, what is my life? <laughs> Why do I suffer like this when my good friend is going off to the Bahamas or Casmel or Europe? What? What's wrong? Why, God? Why? Right? Isn't that the way life is? We, we, we just can become discontent on a dime because our culture has taught us to do that. Through the media, it's constantly throwing images at us, whether it be the TV or the Internet or billboards, saying, you should have this. This will make your life better. And we believe it. No wonder we walk around depressed. Because we're looking at everybody else. And I tell you what, it will never stop. No matter how much stuff you get, you're always going to want more, right? We've talked about this many times, but we, we need to be reminded. Just the way we talk about I mean, we set our kids up. What, what, what do sometimes people say to their kids? Honey, you can be anything you want. It's all about the American dream and the culture we have. You can be anything you want. You can do anything. That's a lie. Stop lying to your kids. You're feeding them the consumer dream. You can be president someday. Who would want to be president? Come on now. Let's get real. Would you really want your child to be burdened with it? Stop saying that. You know what you need to say to your children? You need to say to your children, Honey, you need to discover God's unique plan for your life that He's already laid out. That's what you say to your children. That's what you say to them. You don't, you don't teach them to be consumers thinking that they can grab all of life because they can't. Number one, they can't do it. They have limitations. Number two, it's just not right. Let them accept what God gives to them. Let them live in contentment. And you train your children. I train my kids uh, in terms of what to expect from life. Uh, Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now why should we... Why should we be content? Because Jesus is all we need. Jesus says, I'm going to be with you. Do you need more than me? What do you need more than me? Jesus is saying. Be content with what you have. That's a tough one, isn't it? I encourage you and I encourage myself, and I've been practicing this, you know, is just say, I'm content, Lord. I'm content with my job. I'm content with my family. I'm content with my house. I'm content with my toys. <laughs> I'm content with my place in life. 
I have everything I need right at this moment. I'm content with my problems. Don't like them, but I got them here in my life for some reason. I mean, when do you start practicing contentment? Now. Right in this very moment. Unless you're in sin, obviously, you need to repent from sin. You know, that that's not God's will for your life. But if you're you're not in in outright sin, okay, we all have sin in our lives, but if you're not in outright rebellion in life and the Holy Spirit is convicting you, I mean I'm content. Now we can look back on our lives and coulda, woulda, shoulda, whatever, you know, I mean God's grace covers all that. I'm just content. And don't don't let people or paid advertisers tell you differently. You know, when the commercials come on, just yell back at the TV, I am content in Christ. Even better, mute it. <laughs> and say the same thing. You know, and when when discontentment comes into your life and saying, I wish I had that, I wish I had that experience, I wish I was there, you know. Say, I'm content in Christ. Now, I, I don't mean you should stop pursuing different things, but I don't think I really have to do that. I don't think I have to give you, a, you know, a, a, a motivational talk about going after life. You get that all the time from everybody, right? <laughs> Every book that comes out, you don't have enough of life, you know. Discover the true champion within you. Oh, yeah, you know, I mean, whatever. What you need to hear from me and from the Word of God is you need to be content right where you're at right now. No qualifications. If only, if that. Just be content throughout this day. I'm content. I'm content with my relationship with my spouse and my kids. It's far from where I like it to be and God will guide me, but, you know, my spouse is who they are and my kids are who they are and you know, I'll pray for them, and, but I'm content. I'm content with all my worldly possessions. That's a tough one, right? I'm content with all my worldly possessions. I'm content with my lot in life. I'm content with how my reputation in life. You know, it just goes on and on. This is a very, very insidious thing that I think is so much more of a problem than we can even imagine as I've meditated and studied about it. It really is at the seat of so much of our discouragement, depression, anxiety, because we're always comparing ourselves to other people and what we don't have. Instead of being thankful for what we do have. Now, I often think to myself when I get locked into some of these things, I think, Dan, okay, let's say that uh, this week, you learned that, um, you know, you had a fatal disease. How much would that change my view in life and my contentment levels? Right? Now, I wish I could get myself there emotionally, but you can't really, you know, until it happens to you, unfortunately. <laughs> so I, I was talking about a woman who had cancer, and, uh, you know, God brought her through that, and she said, I wish I could go back to when I was sick and had that same closeness and dependency on God. That interesting observation. So 
It's learned. It is not easy work. But I tell you what, we have all kinds of opportunities to learn it because we're all discontent. (laughs) And you just got to, it's not going to happen overnight. You're going to work years on this. You're never going to be totally content because you're sinful. But I tell you what, you know, I was thinking about uh, my uh, wife's father-in-law and how he died and he had a PSP, a form of Parkinson's wife's father and uh, you know it got to the point where he couldn't um, talk he couldn't move I mean it was just like he was locked in a body and we didn't know where he was at cognitively but he was a true man of God and uh, I think he found a source of contentment in Christ in that locked body that none of us have experienced Unless we've been there. You know what I'm saying? So this is a lifelong journey. And it's all about Jesus. And all we can ask is for Jesus to help us understand that. We go on to verse 12. It says, I know how to be brought low. And he's, it's an allusion to Philippians chapter 2 of Jesus Christ being brought low on the cross and Again, the Stoics, you know, he's playing off the Stoics and contentment here. That, and to really everybody. Humility, I mean, there was no, that was not a virtue in that day, to be humble. So, again, he's teaching uh, God's truth here. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need. Isn't that interesting? Verse 11, for I have learned. Then verse 12, I have learned. He repeats it twice. I have learned the secret. The secret. <laughs> Remember Rhonda Byrne's book, The Secret That Oprah popularized, The Law of Attraction. You know, you send your thoughts and desires out to the universe and then they come back and they bless you. <laughs> A little baloney, you know. <laughs> come on! <laughs> I mean, really? People are buying into this stuff? And Lori told me she heard something. I don't know how she came across it, but I know one of Oprah's interviews and she was talking to the specialist on religion and the specialist said that that uh, the God of the Bible is a great starter God. <laughs> a starter God, like a starter house? <laughs> it's like, well, it's a great way to get in, you know, and kind of get kindergarten understanding, and then you grow from there to, you know, mystery knowledge. And really, the, the terminology that he uses here in the original language speaks about that secret type of religion, like Gnosticism was one of those in the New Testament that said, you know, you, you, you've learned some good things, but we got some secret knowledge you can get a hold of. So Paul's again playing a word play, saying, okay, you guys want to know a secret? You want to know the real secret of being content in every situation? It's found in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. There it is. That's a secret. I am totally dependent upon Jesus Christ. Now, whenever you find a verse like this, 
Sometimes it's taken out of context, you know. You'll find this verse, uh, you know, in <clears throat> workout rooms. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. That's out of context, okay? <laughs> this verse is not about building your body. Or, or sometimes when people are multi-level marketing organizations, nothing against them, but sometimes I believe they teach materialism when they, you know, set up a dream board, you know, put pictures of the house that you would like to have and that type of thing. And that's really kind of materialistic. And, and maybe sometimes a person will put that first. Now, wrong application. <laughs> okay, all right? What's, what's the context here? And whenever you study the Word of God, you've got to look at the context of the verse. The context of the verse is contentment in every situation. And typically when things are going well, you're not calling out on Christ. When things are not going well and you want to be content in this situation, it can only come through Christ because that is when you need supernatural resources to deal with that child who is always causing you frustration, to deal with that emotional burden that you have, to deal with that health crisis, to deal with you caring for your elderly parents and all the work and all the stress that goes along with that, to dealing with an impossible boss, with an impossible job. That is where the strength is found. It's found in Jesus Christ. Christ alone, the supernatural strength that flows through us, that gives us peace that we shouldn't have, that's where the heart of the gospel is. Jesus Christ living through us in the midst of our difficulties. So where are you at today? We're going to have a prayer time here in a moment. And uh, I really want to encourage you to come forward. Because you need prayer. You do. I, we all need prayer. And uh, where, where do you need Jesus Christ's power? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's coping with whatever. We, there's so many different areas. I mean, where do you need His power? And if you, if you don't think you don't need His power today, well, you're in denial. You're not listening. Uh, you're trying to be a stoic. You're trying to be all-sufficient, and that's sin. You're not getting it. You're just going to keep chasing after the dreams. And even when you reach them, it's worse reaching the dreams because then you realize they're empty. Let's look at some next steps here. Um, you can circle these numbers in the bulletin if you would like to take a next step in saying, hey, this is how I want to respond to the message. It's under your name on the communication slip. You can circle number one. I will ask the Lord daily to help me grow in contentment. Number two, I will read through the book of Philippians. Again, we'll have a great time celebrating this study next week as we conclude it. Great time to read through it and just drink, drink again from the waters of God and His truth. Number three, I'll cultivate a relationship with a gospel friend this week. Summer is a great time to share the good news with others. Uh, four, I will meditate and seek to memorize Philippians 4, 6, and 7. 
I'm interested in knowing more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now we're going to have our prayer team come forward at this time. And we're going to sing a song together. But I just ask you, I mean, whenever you can get prayer, get it. All right? Now, if we were handing $50 bills up here, out here, would you come up? We got 50s. One for anybody that comes up. I'd hope a lot of you would come up. <laughs> I would. <laughs> but we're offering something better than money. <laughs>